0: Well, again, we're starting our Advent series a week early, uh, just the way the holiday season fell, and Christmas Day is on a Monday, Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, so we just wanted to enjoy Christmas Eve, which would technically be the fourth Sunday of Advent, so we bumped it all up, and we're loosely basing this sermon series off of that same book that I mentioned for the study. Um, In her book, Rachel... Billups wrote Unlikely Advent. She's examining the lesser-known characters of the the nativity of the the Christmas story, that birth narrative of Jesus. So, sort of lesser-known characters that are around. It's like this is an unlikely character to have been involved in uh, the birth story of uh, the Son of God. So, she's taken those characters and kind of highlighted things and, and why this could be an unlikely Advent for you too. Now we're going to add an extra layer to it because we're looking at focused, focused on Jesus. We've been doing a whole fall long like trilogy of series uh, where we started out with forward. We looked at Joshua going into the Promised Land, and then we were looking at um, uh, fueled by the Holy Spirit, where we're looking at Acts, where we finished just last Sunday, where we we're like filled, all those little passages were filled with the Holy Spirit, and now we're focused on Jesus as we look into this unlikely Advent story. And the idea is that uh, no matter what, we keep moving forward in our faith, fueled by the Holy Spirit and focused on Jesus. So um, here's one more little wrinkle that I'll just add to the whole thing. That's another like, here's some more confusion to add to the mix. Peek behind the curtain of what goes on in Dave's administrative brain, uh, like why this gets weird. So um, pastors, when they write books, they don't actually write books. Did you know that? They write sermon series and then the sermons become chapters in the book. And that's what happened with this one. Uh, Rachel did this sermon series last year and then it turned into a book and a Bible study. And she is now doing basically unlikely Advent two for her congregation. Uh, I don't know if it'll turn into a book, but people know how to make money, so that probably will. <laughs> it's selling like hotcakes, folks. Like this one is selling big time, so she'd probably find a way to sell two of them. Um, so, Rachel is traveling on December 10th. I'm not sure where, I don't know where she's going. I think Louisiana, it doesn't matter. So, I'm preaching there on December 10th, but I had to catch up with what they're doing over there for that sermon, right? So since I'm lazy, I'm like, why would I prepare all the different ones? Why don't I just use the one that I'm doing there and use it here, right? So next Sunday, we're going to take Advent, unlikely Advent 2, one sermon from there, bring it over here for you guys, and then I'll preach it over there December 10th, because they'll be really good at it by then. Uh, practice is practice, makes perfect. Um, so that's why like those of you who are in the the class and you got a text message as to wh- there's like we're changing the order of the book a little bit it's because of that because there'll be one sermon that you would actually miss uh uh one one thing if we just cared. so uh, none of that matters none of it matters there's do we have that slide guys like uh do you have the papers up there somewhere huh yeah okay let's keep going then uh you could see all of the things on there uh, but we're at slide five now. Um, today we're looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth. If you follow along in the book, that's chapter one. Um, so uh, these two people, Zechariah and Elizabeth, have unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. They live their entire lives with hope, with the thought, the expectation that they would be able to bring up a baby, bring up a child, have. child a son or a daughter of their own that they could bring this precious gift into the world their little treasure their little gift from God and yet when we meet them they're very old and they've reached the age the point in their lives where you just don't have babies anymore you don't have kids they're unable to have children Luke chapter 1 says they're very faithful people but Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were very old. That's, how, that's exactly how Luke chapter 1 describes them. That was their identity. They were old, and they were unable to conceive. Yes, it gives them credit for being faithful, for being righteous, for being blameless, good people. But they were old and, and unable to conceive. That was their identity. Their identity was to not have the one thing that they wanted. Everybody in town knew. Well, that's old Elizabeth and Zechariah. They don't have a baby. They never had a kid. That was their identity. Unmet expectations. Anybody ever experienced unmet expectations? Are Zechariah and Elizabeth the only ones, and myself? Yeah. Uh, Christmas season is coming upon us. You might have heard about it. Um, uh, at that time of year, we exchange gifts, right? You, you, you exchange gifts. You might have some expectation of what you will receive. Those who have children know that they turn in their request form, right? And then it's, they're expected to have that completed and returned back to them by December 25th. Um, there's an expectation of what you might receive. Now, for me, my birthday is on the heels of Christmas. Just a few weeks after Christmas comes my birthday, January 15th. Anybody paying attention? They want to know? That's where my birthday is. Carrie has one. The, the third so you know you know exactly what I'm about to talk about here. Oh man, go back to school. Mine lands on uh, Martin Luther King generally, so I'd get a get a day off around there. But my birthday's on the heels of Christmas, so any gift that I did not receive for Christmas, I knew if I just wait a couple more weeks, 3 weeks total, I'm um, probably going to get it. Like I'll get I'll get my unmet, unmet expectation will finally be met if only I am patient enough. Um, now, I did not realize when I wrote this a number of weeks ago that my parents would be in the room. <laughs> Normally they watch online, and I hear about it later, but this is live feedback. They probably don't remember this story at all. And now as a parent, I understand what happened here. I, I know, but I'm still got to go tell the story because it's in here. <laughs> Unmet expectations. Anybody remember the Nintendo Entertainment System, the little 8-bit? Yeah, all right, okay, we got some Gen Xers in the house. So one year after I had gotten my, my NES, the, the old 8-bit, I had, I had actually sold a cow, and I took that money and I bought a Nintendo game system with it, uh, and I really, really wanted Tecmo Super Bowl, all right, Tecmo Super Bowl. We got a picture of that right here. Um, those of you who are male and Gen X, you are like, that is the best game that has ever been made for NES. And I'm not even kidding. Objectively, it is the best game that was ever made for NES, and it still remains thus. It is the perfect game. So I had to have this game. All of my friends had the game. My cousin had the game. I had played the game. I longed for the game. I needed the game. It made the request form and everything got to have that game. So Christmas comes around and I'm looking at all the boxes that look like NES games. You know what I'm talking about. Like this, that, that's the one right there. Guaranteed. Furiously open it up. It's a book. (laughs) You know the disappointment by that. A book. Christmas came and went that year. Unmet expectations. Tech, no Tecmo Super Bowl to be found. I should have had a whole day of playing that. All Christmas break, too. I had a book said. <laughs> but birthday, coming soon, right? Birthday's right around the corner. Uh, surely that Tecmo Super Bowl would come then. But even then, as a kid, I knew, just be patient, just be patient. So when my birthday arrived, I could not wait to open up my birthday gifts It was a foregone conclusion. Tecmo Super Bowl was among the gifts. There's no doubt about it. Only a matter of hours before I would be Bo Jackson running all over the field, (laughs) getting 457 yards and eight touchdowns in one game. There is no doubt about it, assuming he doesn't get injured, but it was such a foregone conclusion. We just need to get through the lasagna, the cake, and grandma and grandpa's cards. Just get through those things. (laughs) And I remember so clearly there was one box that was definitely, definitely a Nintendo game. There was no doubt about it. That had to be the one. This was it. Finally, I lay my hands on the treasured gift and I rip it open in my excitement, only to reveal. John Elway's quarterback. Quite possibly the worst game that NES ever made. (laughs) None of my friends had ever even heard of it. They didn't even know the thing existed. God bless my parents. To them, it was all the same. This is it's a Nintendo game. It's football. What else do you want? And I understand that now, Mom, Dad. I understand all of the things look the same. It might as well be whatever. Just uh, yeah, it's it's okay. I I am not holding a grudge. Clearly, but for twelve-year-old me, I was crushed. You know, oh, this thing that I I wanted, I was so let down my unmet expectations. The one thing I wanted, I'd been longing for for months, patiently waiting, graciously waiting even, uh, through major holidays, to finally receive an unmet expectation. Actually, a swing and a miss, really. Like, that was a, that was a terrible game, it was just terrible. The one thing I wanted, I did not receive. God God bless them. Like, I, I, I get it now. I truly do. I get it. You just, you're doing the best you could. But here's the thing. The bigger the want, the harder it is to not receive it. The more you want the thing, the lower the emotional state if and when it doesn't come in. The higher your expectation, the harder the fall when you don't get what you want. And that can bring despair. I think it might be hyperbole to say I was in great despair on my birthday. Um, That's a bit much. But I was definitely super sad because I didn't get super bold, you know. I just didn't get what I wanted on my birthday. What have you wanted but did not receive? What's the thing that you've longed for and you just figured... At this point, I probably can't even get it. I may never even have it. You could just not attain that thing. It's been such an unmet expectation for so long that now I don't even know if I can get that thing. Zechariah and Elizabeth wanted a baby and they they didn't just want that baby for like two or three days. They had decades of wanting a child and now they were old. And imagine the despair of this couple. They'd done everything right. They were righteous. They were blameless. They were good people. They had lived amongst their town and in such a fantastic way, everybody loved them, and still they were known for the thing that they didn't have. Luke records it. They were barren. That's some next-level despair. Zechariah was a priest. He had a pastoral role in his community, in his society. And uh, he would take turns going to the temple in Jerusalem to, to work and conduct worship. And the scene that we see in Luke chapter 1 is Zechariah, it's his turn to go to the temple to do his shift, if you will. Like he's got to take a month or so, and he just goes down there and he works the temple. And And something unique happens where it, his lot gets pulled to go and light the incense. Now, there's a, there's, like, there's a lot of Jewish tradition in history that we could dive in there and talk about all that. But, but understand this, there's about 20,000 Levite priests in Israel at this time. So the chances of him working at that time in his name getting pulled to be the one to go in is pretty slim. And this is likely the first and only time that he has this enormous honor to be able to go and do this. So this, as a priest, is like the thing that they get to, like this, he had to been like, oh my gosh, this is my, I finally get to do this. This is one thing I've been wanting to do in my life. It's the most significant thing that he could do do in his professional life. He might have been wondering at this point, what if he had missed his opportunity because he's now old in his age for doing these things? He's like, all these years, I've never had a chance to do this. Maybe he thought he'd miss his opportunity. What if he was seen in his community as a failure to provide an heir and not only has never done the most honored role in his profession? Surely he wondered what it would be like to enter the holy place. Surely he wondered if God might just have something special to speak into his life in that moment. I wonder what he prayed for. Go in that holy space, what... I wonder what he prayed for. You think he prayed for his nation, oppressed by the Romans. Maybe he prayed for the worshipers who were gathered all around. Maybe he prayed for his personal needs. They they wanted a baby. And this is when it happens for Zechariah. This is when God interrupts the normal flow of human life and understanding of the normal way things go. This is when Zechariah has to step back and he listens to what God is telling him. Here's what it says in verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Now the whole situation is crazy. I mean, I don't think Zechariah ever planned on an angel coming in right? I don't think this was some sort of romantic figure. This isn't like a naked baby with loincloths around, you know, floating around in the air. Um, This is a a glorious being, terrifying, an angel, an awesome creature. And yet the angel's like, don't be afraid. (laughs) Yeah, okay, whatever you say, angel. Easier said than done. But then the angel says, your prayer has been heard. And I think that's significant. Your prayer your prayer, has been heard. And that's why I asked, what do you think he was praying in there? Was it the prayer of, of that moment while he was in the holy space? What was he praying? Your prayer's been heard. Or is this pray, And or, is this the prayer that he's been praying for decades, for an entire lifetime, of perseverance in prayer? Your prayer has been heard. What do you pray for? what do you really want in your prayer do you even really want your prayer to be heard have you ever thought about that do i I actually want this thing that i'm praying for to actually come to fruition the things you are asking for are they things of significance i want to i want to just camp out here for a second and think about that are they things that you really want The church has an interesting relationship with desire. We think that we shouldn't want things, because if I want things, that must be something of my flesh, that I desire this, and probably I shouldn't want it. And if we want something, then it communicates that I'm dissatisfied with the thing that I have, because I want something else, or I want something more, and I'm ungrateful for the thing that I have. So we tend to like turn our desire off or we tend to not be honest about the things that we actually want. Jesus, though, he's recorded twice in the Gospels as asking people, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? He asked that twice in the Gospel. The psalmist says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's in Psalm 37.4. It's okay to want things. Even more so, it's okay to pray for them. We pray for the things we want, not just possessions, but for relationships, for people, for renewal, for all those good things. It's okay to pray for those things. But do we pray for them for decades? I have this hunch that we couldn't do what Zechariah and Elizabeth did, to pray for a lifetime for a thing. Do you think that they ever gave up on having a baby? I mean, they were old. Sometimes we we pray for something for a long, long time. We pray for a salvation of a spouse or a child. We pray for a calling a ministry. We pray that God would bring a special person to us. Those are all things that we want. But after years of heartfelt prayer, do we continue to keep praying or do we give up out of discouragement? Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed for years, passionately praying for their child. But I kind of wonder, did they stop believing did they give up on what God could do for them? Because there's some human things that happen when you get old. You can't have those babies anymore. And when we give up our desire, we, we, we leave the space where we believe God for the things that we want and desire, that's where despair starts to creep in. That's where the darkness of doubt Starts to creep in. That's when we start to wonder about the love and care that God has for us. And we tend to think that this is just our lot in life and that God won't see fit for us to have anything different. Remember, their prayer happened in the order of decades. I kind of think that we usually forget to keep praying after about a day or two or a week. Or a month. We just kind of kind of forget the thing that we were wanting. How can we expect God to care more about our desires than we do if we just give up on that prayer? Well, then for Zechariah and Elizabeth something crazy happens. A glimmer of hope starts to creep into the darkness of despair. The angel starts prophesying about this boy that Zechariah and Elizabeth will have. He starts naming names. He gives them a name and he starts being specific about this who this boy is and what this boy will do and who he will be. He says you'll call him John. He's going to be a joy and a delight and many will rejoice at his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He's not going to be a junkie. It says no wine or alcohol will touch his mouth. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in utero, it says. He will bring back many Israelites to the Lord. He will have the spirit of Elijah on him. And here's the kicker. He will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so suddenly when all of that starts to come out very clearly, the angel paints a picture for Zechariah. Suddenly he's like, oh yeah, I remember we used to pray for that. That was a thing that we wanted a long time ago. And I think a glimmer of hope starts to come into that crack of, of despair that was there. just starts to break in in that darkness that he was in. And a glimmer of hope starts to shine through. It's in the cracks of light in that darkness that we find the glimmer of hope within our despair. And for Zechariah, now there's this glimmer of hope. There's a possibility. Perhaps maybe he hadn't missed it. Just maybe they could have a child. There's a possibility that this could be real. And just for a second, Zechariah might have let himself believe and that crack of light into his despair could brighten. But just as fast, he closed it. And he said, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And he let that crack of light slam shut so fast, he lost hope so quickly. He had been hurt so many times before. Almost there with that expectation and then nothing. He'd been hurt so many times, he couldn't bear the thought of being hurt again. So he said, I need some proof. I need proof. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. Which will come true at their appointed time. Gabriel's like, Look, I'm just a messenger, but I stand in the presence of God and I heard this was going to happen. And now I'm delivering you the message. If that's not enough for you to believe, then I'll shut your mouth. Can't keep yours shut, I'll keep it shut for you. Also, something my mom told me. <laughs> at this point, the angel leaves and then Zechariah is supposed to go out and give a blessing to the people who are gathered outside. But when Zechariah comes out, he can't speak. He's mute. He can't give the blessing. Here's the thing. He robbed himself of the ability to give a blessing because of his inability to believe good news. He couldn't believe the good news, and thus he could not be a blessing to other people. How many of us have robbed ourselves of a blessing because we didn't believe it was possible? Man, we just sang those. anything is possible. We sang it, but do we actually believe it? How many of us have not believed it was even possible for us to receive the desires of our heart? And how many of us have closed the door of hope because we've been hurt too many times and we simply refuse to believe that good news is actually meant for us too. It's not just for others, it's meant for us too. We may not be punished like Zechariah, but we're definitely robbed of life's blessing and robbed of being a blessing. Let's wrap up the story from Luke. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Possibly she stayed on bed rest in those early months of her pregnancy, maybe just to protect the baby. She was in seclusion. Zechariah and Elizabeth were just so faithful. They kept on believing, even when Zechariah was like, I don't know, I don't know. They were faithful to each other. They were faithful to God. And she has nothing but gratitude and thankfulness for what God is doing. And she finally gets what she wants. She didn't just pray for a baby for a week and then give up. She did it for decades. Some of you actually are barely multiple decades old. Um, I know for me, my ADD kicks in and I, I can get past one prayer, let alone decades. Like I, I, I'm preaching this to me, guys. <laughs> like Probably you too, but there's there's a lot of me in this. I don't know that I have that perseverance to continue for decades in my heart. I don't know if you're struggling with doubt. I don't know if you have despair in this Advent season. Maybe you need that bright little crack of light to just edge its way in to the despair that you're experiencing, the darkness that you're seeing. Maybe you need just a little bit of light to crack through and open up and become a touch of hope. Maybe you just need some optimism. Or maybe you need to name what you want. What is it? What is the desire of your heart? Why not label that? Why not name that thing? Why not start praying for that? But pray for the long game. Have perseverance in your prayer. Don't give up after a day or a week or a month. you got to stick to it. God wants you to, to to have the desire of your hearts, and he wants to give you the desire of your heart. But you have to desire it at least as much as God wants to desire it for you. Or maybe you think you've missed it. Maybe you think, I'm just too old for this stuff. There's no way I can have that dream anymore. Maybe you think you've had your opportunity but you squandered it or you missed it altogether and it's not really worth praying, for God to bring that around again because that ship has sailed. It's done. I can tell you this. We have a room full of people who who squandered a, an opportunity, a blessing, a gift at some point in their life. Every, every one of us have in here. All of us. I guarantee it. But I'll tell you this. There's always redemption on the other side of it. God can always redeem That it might be a difficult path, but God can redeem those choices that were made long ago. So here's my encouragement to you. Don't shut the door on hope. Don't shut the door on hope. If if you're in this darkness of despair, allow the light to creep in a little bit. Don't lose the opportunity to climb out of despair. You don't have to stay there. You can come out of it. And then this, have perseverance in prayer. Perseverance might mean days, weeks, months, years, decades. I don't know. I don't know. But for Zechariah and Elizabeth, it took a very long time. And finally, God brought them the desires of their hearts. Let's pray. God, some of us in here might think we've missed it. Like, we had the opportunity but we squandered it or we're just too old now. Some of us might be struggling with despair and darkness. We ask, Lord, that You would crack through that darkness with just a glimmer of light, a little glimmer of hope to bring us back into understanding that You, through You, anything is possible. Because You are more than able to bring us the desires of our heart. You are more than able to help us to have hope. You're more than able to give us an imagination for the thing that we used to long for, the thing that we've desired. Lord, awaken that in us. Help us to see it more clearly. Help us to be in your presence so that you can realize it in our hearts. You can realize it in our midst, in our families, in our businesses, in our homes, in our churches, in our community. Lord, help us to imagine what it would be like to be a people filled with hope, a people who were were good people, righteous, blameless, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth, but who are patiently persevering and waiting on you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I've come a long way